Good morning. Today is Sunday, August the 12th, 13th, 13th, 2017. We're at the Found Church in Fountain Valley, California, through the Bible Sunday School class. We've been studying the book of Proverbs slowly. <laughs> and uh, we're going to pick it up at chapter 22 today. And uh, George Mulek isn't with us, so I'll go ahead and or open us in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word, which is steadfast and unmovable. It's a light to our path, and it's a refuge for us, Lord, in difficult times. We pray that you would, by your powerful Holy Spirit, reveal to us the things in your word that we are to have written on our hearts. Renew our minds according to Christ Jesus, that we might better honor and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. I doubt a lot of people really believe that. But the whole concept of a good name is all through the scripture. We could do an entire study, starting with Abram becoming Abraham and Jacob becoming Israel. Um, Peter being Simon. Um, Saul to Paul, but all the beautiful names of God. God has chosen names to reveal his attributes, and that's a beautiful study, too, that he is our provider and our refuge in times of trouble, redeemer, savior, the rock. You've seen those posters. I used to have one of those beautiful posters. We used to have one when our offices were in where the East Chapel was, that it's black with all the colors and it just moves through all the names of Christ. Because I remember when I first started coming to church here, there was one in John's office and I had one too. I'd sure like to find that one again. Mine yeah. got kind of beaten up and I don't have it anymore. But the beautiful names of God. And Revelation tells us that Jesus has a name that hasn't been revealed to us yet. So it's if we didn't have enough names, we're going to find out about a new name. And... That's why I think there's so much thought should be gone into the name for our children. You know, Mary was told, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So to desire a name, a good name. You know, in business, sometimes people will try to use the good name of others to to do better in business. And one time I had a person doing that. They named their business very close to mine. They were actually here in Fountain Valley. And this particular person had been in our enrolled agent class and he had a bad uh, background with the feds. And so they would not give him his enrolled agent status. Mm -hmm. So he could pass the exam and everything, but he didn't pass the background check. But he named his name, my company's name, just with the names reversed. And um, I realized what he was trying to do is mm -hmm. to have people think he was associated with me. Yeah. So um, I actually contacted an attorney who wrote him a cease and desist letter that he mm -hmm. couldn't use that name. And, and um, it's one of the valuable things about being incorporated, which I'm not, because your name is your name throughout the state. No one can pick a name. If you are using a DBA, which I am, that name is only good in Orange County for me. No one else can have anything uh -huh. close to that. Uh 
as long as I remember to renew. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So really, I have it on my bill pay because I'm so afraid I will do that and somebody will try to take my name. Mm -hmm. It's one downside of being um, a sole owner is the name. But the Bible telling us that what our name means is better than riches is really hard for our minds to understand because most people think the best thing about this world is having riches. That's why everyone's running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to get riches and them somehow eluding them. And favor is better than silver or gold. You know, there's a beautiful song that was written. I think George Beverly Shea used to sing it sometimes called I'd Rather Have Jesus Than Silver or Gold. Um, When you're in the protective hand of the Lord, there is no better place. And it is much better than having things of this world, which can go away from you very easily. The recession, recessions teach people that. Some people, when recession, before it started, they had 2 million in their portfolio. And then when the recession started, they had 1 million in their portfolio. (laughs) (laughs) And it's painful to have hard earned all that money, put it in your retirement account. And then you just watch, what, what happened to my balance? I have this one client. She's not a financial person at all. She's dear as can be a wonderful Christian and she works styling hair. And, um, she said she started to get nervous before the recession happened. And she took all of her portfolio and put it in cash within days. She really feels that God just inspired her to do that. Cause she said, I don't get recessions. I don't get all this. I'm not a money person. But she got all of her portfolio turned to cash right before the craziness happened. And I I just felt that that was just God watching out for her Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And um, so the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. At the saying that you can't take it with you, they could line your coffin with it. But when you stand on the other side of the Jordan, you are not going to have it with you. (laughs) It's called probate. It's called trust administration, taking the riches of dead people and transferring them to living people because dead people don't need to use their riches anymore. And we're going to stand before God and hopefully we're standing in the imputed righteousness of Christ because nothing else is going to matter. But Lord, I was a millionaire back on earth. That's going to sound like the stupidest thing that ever came out of your mouth. Yeah. You think I care? You know, there's that passage in Acts, and I've gone there before, but I won't take you there because we're short of time today. Remember when Herod came out and gave his speech, and he started accepting the people's worship. It said it looked he looked to them like a god. I think it's in Acts chapter 12, but it is in Acts. And you remember the worms came and ate oh, Herod up. Yeah. Yes. yes, I love that passage. Yeah. It's like, okay, it's one thing to be dazzling bright in front of the people, but when you start letting them bow down and worship you, well, even the angels don't let people do that to them. Oh, get back up. Yeah. I'm just, no, don't worship me. Okay. So um, the rich and the poor will meet together, and the Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. I used to love that Mr. Magoo cartoon. Yeah. Remember, oh, yeah. Magoo, you've done it again. <laughs> Because Magoo had very bad eyesight and he would like almost walk off cliffs, but he had no idea that, you know, he'd almost just, you know, danger had been averted. (laughs) 
The simple go on and suffer for it. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life. Jesus told us to seek him first, his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added for you to you. So you think, oh, okay, I'll try to be humble, I'll try to fear the Lord, because in the mm. end, I want riches, honor, and life. Well, I don't think it'll work like that. It has to be a true heart preference for the things of God and his kingdom. So uh, money is just basically a tool in God's hands. <clears throat> if all things belong to him, then uh, when he's given you wealth, you probably have some responsibility that goes to it with it. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. To lead a righteous life. Thorns and snares for those who are crooked. I've seen that so many times in business, I can't tell you. I remember I had this client one time. I won't say what kind of business he was in, but he went to Calvary Chapel and everything. And I found out that some of the stuff that he used in the services that he provided, he had actually stolen. It was hot. Oh. And I remember saying, what are you doing? And somehow in his mind, he had actually justified how he'd acquired it. Maybe he'd acquired it from a competitor, but he needed it in his work. And it was expensive to use when you did your jobs. And how easy it is to fall into thorns and snares. Jesus talks about that when he teaches that the word of God is like a seed dropped on many soils. Mm -hmm. And remember what he says about the thorny soil. You know, it can't bring forth uh, fruit. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is a very well-known proverb. And I think it has multiple applications um, it's definitely used when people talk about the necessity of disciplining your children like God disciplines his children. And I think that's one aspect of it. I also think about it in the aspect of helping a child find their life's path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, my mother disliked accountants intensely. I would have never uh, found this career path. And not from her, but she had that bias against accountants. But helping your child find where they should invest themselves, mm -hmm. what their gifts and skill sets are. Um, I remember that we so, you know, sensed that Elizabeth would do something with her violin. And, and when she got to be a senior in high school, she uh, thought at one point in the process, there were a lot of things that happened. One is she was going to go into the Army because she had seen the Army's string orchestra play at the United Nations on, oh, yeah. online. Mm -hmm. Her violin teacher brought her to the era of her ways and told her the Army may have no designs for her <laughs> to be in their <laughs> string orchestra. But another point, she wanted to uh, major in voice. And I remember thinking, well, aside from my 15000 to 20000 investment in the violin and your lessons, <laughs> let's talk about this. <laughs> let's not make it purely financial. <laughs> yeah. 
But she kind of saw the error of that ways. And that's, I think, why I thank God for a lot of other adults and kids' lives and other teachers who see things and kind of help people. I had a teacher one time that helped me to see, and I had no perception of myself in this manner, that I was a good speaker. Hmm. And I remember giving this, this speech in the seventh grade and the teacher saying to me after I spoke, that was an amazing speech. And I said, really? She said, yeah, you're just natural. I said, you didn't see my knees shaking? <laughs> she said, no, I never noticed at all. You didn't seem nervous to me at all. Hmm. So I remember thinking about that and pondering that. She thought I was a good speaker. And sometimes we we uh, look at our insides and others are looking on our outsides, having a different uh, thing. I think it's interesting, too, how in a group of children that you have, there's so many different ways they go. And, and we had one that kind of went the hard way for a while. And she, um, I don't know, she just knew. Didn't find her life's path right away. Yeah, you know, she did. College is so expensive now that I, I see parents that get frustrated with it when the kids are changing their majors all the time, elongating the time frames they have to be paying tuition and stuff. And <clears throat> it is hard. I think a lot of what parents do is expose their children to a lot of things and help them find these strengths. Okay. And of course, you know, um, Teaching children to pray, you know, that you that God will show you and open the doors for you. And I had this client one time, I'll never forget it, but um, she was very, very poor. Single mom, lived in Garden Grove. She had two daughters. Her daughters were pretty amazing daughters, and one of them had been like the student body president and everything. So when she graduated, she got a full ride to Azusa Pacific. Wow. And so we're thinking, oh, God's really providing. And the daughter comes to the mother and says, Mom, I know you're going to just not believe this, but I'm not supposed to go to Azusa. I'm supposed to go to Wheaton. Um, and her mom's like, what? You got a full ride to Azusa. Obviously, this is God's will. <laughs> <laughs> the daughter felt very strongly, so she went to Wheaton. She did get some scholarships, but somehow she got that thing paid for. But she met her husband there, and oh, all these things happened to her. She knew in her heart, she was a really strong believer, that she was supposed to be at Wheaton. Isn't that interesting? That is, that is. And I remember thinking at the time, can you guys convince your daughter? Yeah. Obviously, it's Azusa. <laughs> <laughs> and to be that way as a young person that you grew up, you know, sort of disadvantaged, that you would, to her, money was not really the issue. Mm-hmm. That if God was in it, he'd somehow make the money part happen. Well, and um, her mother used to talk to me about her. She said, you know, she is just some kind of girl. She said, I- I've seen her really need something, and she just trusts God like she needs a coat or she needs something. You know, she just would believe God would bring these things her way. And she made it all the way through Wheaton. She's a pastor's wife now. Yep. So sometimes you just don't know. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a lot of people that also use this verse to comfort themselves when they feel like they've tried to guide their child. And when their child grows up, their child isn't in the place they think is best. Mm -hmm. And they feel bad about that. This is another place where scripture 
encourages that sometimes what you've planted, it's going to come back to you even though you don't see it right now. So it's a very good verse, and Solomon, with the wisdom of the Lord, made sure we had that. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. This is one thing I wish I could shout from the highest mountaintops to American citizens. Go into debt and you are a slave. Get out of debt and you are a free man. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of people have flocked to Dave Ramsey because of this. He's, he actually made a donation to the National Association of Enrolled Agents and they gave him a award and stuff. But many people, you know, have gotten out of debt because they've listened to him. And Ron Blue is another one that's helped a lot of people with that. <clears throat> but we are a, a borrowing country. Our country itself is in debt. Yeah. Um, there's something else I was going to say. Oh, another thing that amazes me when I think about how things were when I was a child and how things are now, it amazes me the number of Americans who owe significant tax debt to the IRS and the state that are on payment plans. When I started in the business, you'd have to work with a collector and all this because owing them was a very serious matter. Now you never have to talk to anybody. You just go online, and they have what they call the Streamline Installment Agreement. And you, if you meet the parameters, and they keep raising the thresholds of debt, some are 50000 some are 100000 you don't have to work with a collector. You can just put in a proposed payment amount right online at irs.gov, and uh, they'll approve it. Isn't that amazing? That so you didn't even amazing. know. Yeah. yeah. So why are all these people unable to pay their government yeah. the amount on their tax returns? I don't understand. And um, they even let you, it used to be, you'd get an installment agreement, and one of the conditions of your installment agreement was that you didn't owe tax again. So you had to get on top of your current year. So one of the things we would do when we work with clients is, Okay, before you start paying on that old thing, let's make sure you have the right amount of tax going in for your new income mm-hmm. so you're not just constantly rolling it. But there are people rolling it, so they get to the next April, they owe tax again, so then they try to get that debt added to the one they got the installment agreement for the prior year. So I've seen people roll it four and five times, just keep adding new debt on top of old debt. And the government, between interest and penalties and how they calculate what I call the ups and extras... <laughs> Yeah. People are never working themselves out. There are people on that will be perpetually paying tax and perpetually paying student loans is another one. Yes, oh yes. my gosh. I had a guy call me yesterday. I thought it was a prank call. The office phone rang at about nine and we have one in our house now with the internet phones and was this really concerned dad calling for his daughter that worked for a law firm in Orange County, and the daughters um, got a problem with their student loans. And um, I don't know what's going on either because my daughter is still paying one. It's ten days, ten years old, and I don't understand it. Um, I asked her. I says, "Well, what's your balance right now?" She goes, "I have no idea. They just take the money out of my bank account every month." I said, "Honey, you got to look into that. Yeah. You got to know how much your principal is, how much you're affecting it by that payment. That's right. What if she's only paying the amount that pays that's, the interest, that's yeah. interest or worse only. yet, it's negatively amortizing? That's what if it's that?" Yeah. yeah. And I think that our government takes advantage of people's lack of financial mm-hmm. sense about debt. 
So we have all these truth and lending laws now, and you see them, you go buy a car or whatever, you know, they're long things, financial disclosure that has to be made to you. People just sign this stuff. They don't say, could you, like, explain this to me? I never really got loan interest in prison. They can't. Yeah, and they, they never can, train they you in can. high school about this either. No, not anymore. Not anymore. They used to. Yeah. So anyway, they the did. lender is the one on top, and the borrower is the slave. You know, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, the license plate says. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the rod of his fury will fail. I don't want to sow injustice because you get back what that seed is, and that seed is calamity. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. So I know we're out of time, and of course, Scripture gives us many places where it talks about concern for the poor and afflicted, and that... uh, to hold tightly to what you have and not to share is to end up not having enough for yourself. So maybe, Dennis, you would close us in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. And we thank you for the blessings of having fellowship in this church and providing the facilities for us as we learn your word. And Lord, we know there's much that we still need to learn, but may we spread the gospel to others that we've learned about you. May we use our uh, abilities to help others that don't understand such situations as tax and principle and all those items, Lord, that they may retain that information to further um, themselves, that they also may uh, further the kingdom for you. We, we thank you for again for the, all you blessed us with, the many riches that we have. We ask this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Bible Study Verse by Verse with Vicki Mulak. For more of these podcasts and some resources, please go to our website at www.biblestudyvbv.org O-R-G That's www.biblestudy V as in Victor, B as in boy, V as in Victor The VBV stands for Verse by Verse dot org O-R-G There you can register and contact us or just leave a comment. We welcome your feedback. Thank you. This is George Mulek.